Hello, hello. My name is April Malone with Yes, I Work From Home, and this is the podcast. Today, I have Ute Frontenbaschka from Germany with us. Um, she is the author of a book called How to Create a Successful Remote Work Culture, a guide to using the PPAS maturity model. And it sounds like we have a lot in common, the things that we're interested in, the space that we're exploring right now. And I would like you to introduce yourself, Uta, and just let us know why you wrote this book and how you, um, how you've, but what your own experience is working from home. Yeah. Hi, April. It's so good to be here with you tonight because here in Germany, it's already 7 p.m. And um, so I'm really glad that I can be here with you today. So as you said, I'm from Germany. Um, Last year, during the time of the pandemic and when COVID locked down so many countries, Mm -hmm. I spent eight months in the United States. Oh. uh, Yeah. And so... um, That was a time when I was planning on working from home because normally I visit my clients on site. I'm a coach, consultant and trainer. And normally I divide my working day in the mornings. I would go out to my clients, see them on site, uh, run workshops with them. And then in the afternoon, when my American time zone wakes up and my second shift begins, I would be working from home with coaches from around the world on coach training programs. Um, And so this is what I used to do before my husband uh, was relocating to the United States for that assignment. And we got really excited about it. But then on the day when we arrived, I think two days, no, it wasn't two, it was two weeks later. We arrived on March 3rd. And a few days later, the company went into, you know, isolation, lockdown, whatever you want to call it. And it happened simultaneously all over the world. And um, for my clients, actually, it made it easier for them to decide to continue to work with me while I was in the States. So some were really open from this for this right from the start. Um, They said, Oh, no problem, we can use zoom and we can, you know, have our calls in a virtual way. And others were a little bit more hesitant. They Mm -hmm. said, okay, coaching and, you know, team coaching is something maybe more for the real world, for the real environment. But yeah, then all of a sudden everyone had to work from home and that made it so much easier for them to take that step. And so I was able to um, take all of my clients with me in the suitcase, basically in the Zoom suitcase and continue my work from from the United States as well. That is quite a story. Um, I'm curious, (laughs) which part of the country did you get more or less trapped in? Um, We were in Michigan, in Rochester, um, a a very nice area. I like the nature around the lakes. Mm -hmm. And um, actually, that was that was really a good place to be because um, when you work from home, when you are sitting in front of the screen for so many hours, a good distraction is when you can go out into nature for a walk on your bike. Yeah. And so that was a good place to be. Wow. And then were you there during the winter as well? Because Michigan can get pretty snowy. That's right. So uh, when we arrived, it was still winter in March and the winter was long. Yeah really long from my feeling and then it was like turning a switch yeah so from one day to the next it was summer yeah and it got really warm and then the same thing happened we um we came back home on the 30th of october and as we were packing the suitcases into the car there was some snow drizzle coming and I was saying to my husband, we are closing the circle, yeah, full circle from snow to snow and in between we had some summer, yes. Let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah, kind of. I, I mean, we stayed eight months straight yeah, and it was planned to have some more visits home, but it wasn't possible because of the COVID situation. And so, um, yeah, I was glad that finally I could see my kids again and my family and yeah. And that was that was actually that was the reason why the book was written, because that was your original question. How did it come to me writing that book? It's yeah. because I was in that situation and I worked with so many people in similar situations 
but yet very different um, backgrounds, different scenarios. And so my husband and I, we were often sitting on our balcony um, during our lunch breaks and in the evenings and we were he was saying i mean you should write a book about that <laughs> i said are you serious and he said yes i am serious and well it took a, a few more months for me to really get used to that thought of writing a book alone so yes then i started in november last year when we really were home here again um, i took some notes i crafted some ideas um, already beforehand, but the real writing started in November when I was home here again. Okay. So let me just backtrack a tiny bit. You said that you were working with clients in person when you were at home in Germany and the city that you live in is, is it Holly? Yes, it's Holle and it's not oh. even a city. It's a very small place. I think we've got like 6,000 inhabitants. So, um, it's, it's, it's a small really, town. Yes, it's small and but also very nice in, in terms of the scenery, the landscape, uh, lots of nature out there. Mm -hmm. So do you normally work with people who are in your village or small town or do you go into a bigger city as well when you're meeting with clients in person? Exactly. So I go into the next bigger city usually. Um, this, this is either Hildesheim, Hanover, Brunswick. Um, so these are the big cities in the area where mm -hmm. I used to go and visit clients on site. But I also travel throughout Germany um, and also internationally within Europe, let's say, um, because most of my clients are multinationals. Okay. And so they have places um, all over the world. Mm -hmm. What would you say? is your niche, the people that you work with? Um, are they entrepreneurs? Are they people in uh, corporate settings and offices? Corporate settings, most of them. So um, regularly it's, it's, it's like automotive sector a lot. Okay. I, mean, I mean, Michigan is also automotive, yeah. so <laughs> it runs in the family, let's say. So yeah, it's automotive, multinationals. I do have a background um, in telecommunications because before I became um, self-employed, I worked for more than 10 years um, for a big um, Swedish um, telecommunication company. I see. What kind of role did you have when you were working in that company? I was actually in charge of um, the customer documentation in English. And okay. um, at, at that time, that was in 1992, 1994, before mm -hmm. that, before that, even earlier. I think it started in end of 80s, beginning of the 90s. It was more like um, people were sitting in different places already at that time. So we had offices in Sweden, Finland, Germany, United States, and everyone was working on a bit of the technology and every engineer was writing the documentation for that bit. And then it all had to be merged at some point and that was my role. So I would put it all into a database and I had to run um, technical checks so that it, the documents would be accepted in the database. and. Um, yeah, I also was working um, in terms of training international teams in order to prepare the engineers for the requirements that the documents had to fulfill uh, when they got to me. Um, and I was even sent abroad to learn, you know, what it involved in terms of that job. And that at, at that time was something really special. It wasn't normal that ordinary people in companies would travel and be sent for training on the job. So that was something really cool. Maybe you weren't ordinary. You <laughs> <laughs> have a really cool skill set. Uh, mm. How did you end up morphing and changing everything into uh, a consulting role? Yeah, well, that was when my kids were born and my husband's company decided to change locations and we had to move from our place um, close to the Dutch and Belgian border where both of us, you know, my husband and I, we both come from that area. Uh, we had to relocate uh, in, inside of Germany and that's when we got to Holle, to this wonderful place here. 
And so I was staying home with the kids in the beginning. But then, you know, I felt like when the kids were in the German kindergarten at the age of three, usually they would enter kindergarten. I decided it's time to go back um, and work part time. And so I was lucky that the Swedish employer also had an office here in Hildesheim. But unfortunately, not for long. So then there was a time when, um, yeah, business was a little slow. And so they closed locations. And I was among the people that were to let go. And um, yeah, and so I had to decide, should I stay home with the kids? Or what is it that I want to do? And a very good friend of mine, um, an American friend who lived next door here in Halle, she said, oh, you know what? Um, I, I could imagine you also starting, you know, in companies helping people learn English because that was the time when globalization really started. Yeah. And companies had to train their staff in English because yeah. we had like... Um, companies working with Portugal, with Malaysia, then later on China and India came. And so the language was English. And this is how I entered the consulting and coaching world. And I found out right from the start that it's not just the language that needs attention. It's 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 more of a package that we need to address. It was yeah. culture, it was yeah. language. It was also finding a way of bringing people together that have different preferences in mm -hmm. how they execute work, how they do their jobs and coaching people around that. And so that was the point when I decided to go for a coach training and I went to England to do that. And this is how it all developed. And then it took off, you know, with my coaching business and consulting business. That's fantastic. When you came to the U.S. with your husband for his uh, temporary assignment, were you planning on continuing to work with your your connections in Germany remotely during that time? Was that the plan? That was the plan. So as soon as I knew that we would be relocating, I approached my clients. I said, look, this is the situation and I want to go with my husband. I don't want to stay alone with the kids. I mean, my kids are 23 and 26 years old, so they are not <laughs> kids anymore who need mom around. Yeah. Yeah. So I said, I really want to go with my husband. And um, so I asked them, what do you think would we like to continue? There are certain options. So I showed them what possibilities we had. And like I said, you know, some said, well, yeah, let's let's see how we can make that happen. Mm -hmm. And others said, well, maybe that is not the same thing. And we wait for you to come back. And so there was some hesitation. And um, yeah, then we got started with those that immediately said we are in. Uh, actually, two days after I had touched ground with my feet on <laughs> on U.S. soil, I started, you know, kind of connecting with my clients saying, I landed, I'm here. Would you like to go on a apartment tour to see where we live now? Because, you know, it was like breaking the ice and yes. um, making it a little bit more like it's personal. business. Yeah. And it's, yeah. but it's also personal and taking the fear out of the technology, because that was a big thing in the beginning. Um, how to navigate technology like Zoom or whatever the tool was that we use. And we used Zoom a lot. And so just playfully helping them find their way with the technology. And like I said, since everyone had to work a few weeks later from home, yeah. it was so much easier then. And it might have actually given them and you all a head start. You know, you had a two week lead time on everyone else. I yeah. think that my husband started working from home, I want to say right around May 5th, March 15th. That was like the day, maybe March 14th, 15th. It was a Monday that everything was just different. The kids did not go back to school. My husband did not go back to work. Everybody was home. I was already working from home, uh, but I wasn't used to having the house full all day. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's another thing. We were so lucky because we had the huge apartment to ourselves. So my husband was sitting in one 
corner of the apartment and I was sitting at the opposite end of the apartment in another room. So we had separate rooms um, to work from. Um, we had the kitchen in the middle, like in a company. So we would mm. meet <laughs> in, the, in <laughs> our own coffee kitchen. A co-working uh, space. <laughs> as we were working from home, yeah. yeah. And you but, had just enough time to get your groceries and your apartment established before everything shut down. <laughs> Exactly. We we managed to get the most urgent things. Um, and it was amazing to see with how little um, you can just you can do it. Yeah, um, we had some pots, some dishes, china cups and things. Not a lot, but it was enough. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, man, it's hard to even think about a year ago. It's, I mean, life has not changed too much, but at least our supply chain is a little bit easier because, you know, in the past, I live in a bigger city, so we could order things from Amazon and have it delivered the same day. Mm-hmm. But a year ago, if you tried to order anything from Amazon, they were telling you that it would take six to eight weeks. Wow. So yeah. I'm just thankful that we're not there right now. I want to hear a little bit more about your book. You, you've you mentioned that you have three avatars that you walk through this journey with. Can you go ahead and just kind of give us a preview of what we would expect if we were to read your book? Yeah, so when I was writing the book, um, it was about, first of all, about this model that that you said, you know, the PPAS maturity model. And each letter is for a dimension in the model. Um, and I figured a model can be very dry and theoretical, but I wanted people to have fun and be entertained because um, you learn so much better and you can engage so much better with people when there is some fun element and also when there is some um, some possibility to identify similarities in the challenges that my avatars, for instance, were facing and that maybe my readers are facing. And so I I decided to build the book around the model and have the avatars guide the reader through each dimension of that model with their personal experiences and with their personal challenges. Some have kids, some live alone. Um, Some are, there, there is one avatar, she is from senior management. There is an avatar from middle management. There is one avatar on team level. So I... I was trying to um, represent all levels in an organization because that is also that plays a huge role in how new the experience was. I mean, a senior manager, an executive, they have been traveling the world before COVID and they haven't worked from home, but they definitely worked from anywhere, yeah. On the road, yeah. Yeah, from like other company locations, visiting customers, clients. And um, so that was a little bit like, you know, the experience from last year. But there were also people in companies um, that never had the privilege to work from home or to even, some did not even have a laptop, yeah. Oh, yes. So, I mean, years like years ago i remember there was a lot of talking in companies about is it possible to work from home what are we giving up when we let people work from home we we have no control whether or not they are really working yeah that was something i heard a lot and then on the other side i heard employees saying we would work so much harder if we could work from home, because sometimes it's just necessary when a kid is sick, um, you, c- you can work around the sickness of the kid much better when you are at home. Maybe you have to work in the evening then when your spouse is there. Mm-hmm. But some more flexibility would have benefited both company and employees, but there was simply no way. Yeah, And then all of a sudden when COVID came, it was not a question anymore. It was it was a huge need and a survival need, both in companies as well as with employees. Yeah, so everyone had a huge interest to make this work. Yeah. Oh yeah, when I I've said this before, I feel as though 
the pandemic has basically catapulted us about five years probably in the future as far as people being comfortable with the idea of working from home or companies, some companies understanding the um, the positive sides of it. Now, I know that you mentioned somewhere in your book that one of the things is about weighing the pros and the cons um, because, okay, so I spend a lot of time with people uh a lot of my clients that I've taught English to are in mainland China. I talk with, you know, senior managers, middle managers, and, and team members all the time in English just to have this conversation. And they keep thinking, um, or a lot of the managers will think, well, people, you know, we don't know if we can watch them. We can't see them working from home, or there's a lot of controls. And some people that I've worked with and talked with and interviewed from like maybe a more international type company can see the flexibility and um, how people can, the productivity actually improves. So I'll let you, I'll let you continue. I, I, I interjected there. Yes. I mean, this is exact. That was the conversation um, we had before COVID hit. What are the pros and what are the cons? And um, the better an employee could sell the point, the more likely it was that the manager would buy into it and would say, okay, we give you these, the, the possibilities. But they were, most of them were kept on the short leash. Yeah. So mm -hmm. they had to announce when they wanted to work from home. For instance, they had to tell the manager on Thursday this week, I want to work from home. And mm -hmm. sometimes they even were expecting some sort of an explanation why that is. And if it was the this chimney sweeper that would come or whatever, maintenance for the heating, whatever. So, and then you had like um, the time when people were saying, if they take home office on a Friday or on a Monday, they might have an extended weekend and they might not be really working. So there was a lot of distrust around that topic. And this is actually a shame because um, like I said, I had some clients who, when they finally got the okay to work from home, they felt very, very motivated to work, you know, not just the eight hours. Yeah? That, was, that was another thing I needed to coach them on because they were afraid to take a restroom break, let's say, because if the manager would call exactly in that moment and they couldn't answer the phone, that would be the proof that they are not working. And so it was a big necessity to really create rules of engagement, to create w ways of working together in such an environment. And this is, um, this is what the book actually does. Each letter, like I said, stands for a dimension, the dimension P for people, P for processes, A for applications and S for structure. And so going through each of this dimension with your team, with the entire organization and really look what is working well here for us, what worked well last year for us and where do we need to tweak? Um, because not every employee wants to work permanently from home. Yeah. Um, and not every workplace is really the best workplace to work from home. Yeah, especially when you work in a, in a large organization, you are worried about equality. Yeah, offering the same possibility for every employee. Yeah, and so when you have a manufacturing site, you can't let people from the manufacturing site manufacture from home. That doesn't no. work. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, so you have to have these conversations of what is possible for whom, and what are yeah, what are the trade-offs for each and every, you know, position and job in a company um, in that respect? I have definitely heard people say that they, as soon as they get home, sometimes they have a difficult time leaving the office and, you know, going home at the end of the day. And like you mentioned, the bathroom breaks, that has come up a few times, actually, that we're trying so hard to prove ourselves. Um, especially for the companies that aren't physically tracking, um, you know, every move. And I know that that's what some people have moved to like, well, if you're going to work from home, then we're going to watch you work from home because we want to see, you know, that you're there. Or we're going to, you know, a lot of times people have like their um, Skype or something like that. And they have to have the little green light, you know, showing that they're present or something like that. And I know that there's people that try to find ways around that. Um, when I worked from the office, 
I worked for a major organization um, health called Bayo Clinic, and I was a secretary on site and did transcription. And I just had a, a regular work computer at, at work, um, a desktop, and I had no laptop at home. I had no camera. When I did eventually start working from home, I brought my desktop home and there was still no camera. And I think now the biggest difference I think that I see from working from home now compared to 15 years ago is the fact that we're often on camera, that we're having these meetings face to face, which in some ways I think improves the experience so that we can have this collaboration and, you know, read nuance and everything. Mm-hmm. But at other times it, it kind of puts the pressure on people, you know, to have like now their personal home is on display and that there's ways around that. Can you talk a little bit about that? What it's like for people to always have to be on? Um, um... Yeah. So I think this always on is, is really, is really an interesting topic um, because when they are working at the company, they are not always on. I mean, they, their computer is always on, but they still have bathroom breaks. They, they have lunch breaks and they might even go to the coffee kitchen and have a conversation with a colleague. Yeah. Yep. So um, and that was a conversation we had uh, with managers and as well with employees last year uh, in order to normalize. Yeah. Um, and last year it was not this, it was not such a problem anymore because everyone was having the same problem. They needed some time off from screen in order to be productive again. Yeah, um, because it doesn't mean when you spend eight hours in front of the screen that you are eight hours productive. Yeah, and so sometimes a little break uh, brings a, an immense push in, in, in productivity and creativity. Yeah. Whereas when you're sitting in front of the screen and simply cannot find a solution to the problem that you are looking at, a walk around the block might find that solution. And then you come back. And even though you weren't sitting in front of your computer, you were productive for the company. And this is something to consider as well. And it's, it's a learning journey. And I think last year was a huge learning journey for everyone. And the skeptics learned that so much more is possible. Um, in terms of, you know, this trust and control point of view and those that said, okay, my workplace is now moving into my home and they felt like an intrusion is happening. They also learned that they can, they can really, they can set limits, they can set boundaries. Yeah. And we often talked about, um, how to do that and by having a special place from where you work, just a simple thing like that can be a huge help. I mean, not everyone had an office or a separate room that they could convert into an office, but it's important to have a place that you call your workplace. Yeah. yeah. And um, because this is the place where you go when you work and when you are done with work, in the evening or depending on how you are managing your time during the day um, when you leave that place it's your private time yeah and you can also i mean technology has done a lot in order to keep the backgrounds blurred and that mm-hmm. was a big relief for some people who felt yeah. well if my daughter is running through the video camera because I'm sitting in the living room or whatever mm-hmm. or just a kid coming in we had cats running uh, on the keyboard of computers, we had dogs barking <laughs> last year. So many things, um, were okay. That wouldn't have been okay a year back in time yeah. when people had worked from home, let's say in 2019, and that would have happened. Some, some, rea- some other reactions would have come out of that. And- oh, absolutely. When you described, uh, some of these things about like these co- these companies were only allowing people work from home if they had a reason they had to give an explanation that was basically my husband's situation he if if um if we had a kid who came home from school sick and i had um an appointment or a meeting or somewhere i needed to be and i couldn't physically be home um he could work from home but again it was always that that explanation and now we're swapped now he's doing 90%, 80, 80 to 90% of his work from home. 
uh, which is wonderful for us, but it's a big, it's a big switch. Um, you mentioned your, you used to do some of your client work um, on site. Are you still doing much of that now that, I mean, I don't know where I, where I live, we are still considering ourselves under a pretty strict um, social distancing, quarantine, lockdown. Um, but I know that not all of the world is doing that now, that a lot of people are going back and resuming life. Are you meeting the people in Germany in person again, or are you doing it remotely now? I'm not, I'm not allowed. Um, as an external person, I'm not allowed on company premises. Okay. Um, my clients partly work from home, partly go to the office. So they have these um, shift models, so to speak. Um, depending on the size of the office, let's say three or five employees can be in the office wearing masks at the same time, but the team is of course okay. larger. So you have people coming in, um, in odd weeks and even weeks, the other group, or they swap with days. So not everybody is on site all the time. That's not allowed. Mm -hmm. And, um, those that don't need to go into the office, um, because of work reasons or they just work from home and that's okay. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. quite a mix. It's, it's really a mix. But for me as an external service provider, um, it's, it's not allowed at the moment. So I'm only working, even though I'm just 20 kilometers away from the location, I still cannot see my people on site. I'm curious if you have been able to, when you came back to Germany and the people who said that they would just wait for you to return, did they let you continue working with them or is that still on hold? Uh, most of it is on hold. Um, but that has, I, I think it has different reasons. It does not necessarily mean, um, that they are waiting for me to really return on site when, you know, when it's allowed, I think some of the people just, um, they are ready for something else. They are ready to move on or maybe they also, I see some people are really struggling with timing. Yeah. Um, the working day is long. A lot of hours are spent in front of the computer, be it on site or at home. Mm -hmm. um, life in families hasn't returned to normal. Um, a lot of kids are still being homeschooled. Um, I think last year left many traces and um, it will take a while until also people are have have regained the energy that they need in order to continue with what they used to do in 2019. So this is my feeling. Um, on the other side, also a lot of new doors have opened. So, so I, I am a strong believer in a door that is closing. There is another door opening and, and this really happened. Yes. Mm -hmm. This book, I hope is opening up some new opportunities for you. Yeah, I hope so too. Um, but also apart from the book. So it was funny that um, last year before we left for the United States, I, I was approached by a client for a project. And then I said, well, we can talk about it, but I won't be in your time zone, which could be a problem for that. And then COVID came and the project was put on hold. And this year, they contacted me again and they said, okay, last year we had COVID. We couldn't do the project because we had other things to worry about and concentrate on. But now we want to really do it because we don't know when COVID is over and we really need to do this now. And I yeah, said, good, okay. I'm back here I'm in Germany. I'm back in your time zone and I can help you to do it. And so that's also nice. That's fantastic. Can you talk a little bit about your, I keep saying fantastic today. That's my word of the day, I think. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about your workspace? Now, in the past, when you were meeting with people, you said you still were doing some of that work from home and now you're doing it. Has it changed at all now that you're working from home all of the time? Um, I always had my office. Actually, I have two offices. I have one office um, that is the office where I do my admin work. And okay. then I have one place that is in the basement. It's a really big room where I also invited clients when we had workshops or for meetings 
And this is the place where I'm now. So this is my workplace where I work when I meet my clients. And when I do my office work, like writing invoices, doing offers, I go upstairs. So it's the same routine that I kept. So having some structure, even though everything else has shifted. Um, the way of working with my clients, doing coaching and running workshops with teams in a virtual environment, of course, requires um, new tools to be used because it's not just conversations that we have, but we also need like flip charts, whiteboards. So there's a lot of technology involved. And that was a learning journey last year, too, to explore the wonderful tools that are out there and um, mm -hmm. uh, test them, play around with them and also look a little bit what are good tools, what are useful tools and um, then also let my clients play with them because usually it takes a little longer um, oh, yes. for these things to arrive in companies because of IT restrictions, etc. Mm -hmm. And so that was an interesting you, part as well. Did you find yourself educating and training people in these tech tools as part of your new role? Oh yeah, oh yeah. So this, and that was the fun part because I love technology. So um, I was lucky that last year in March, there was a big movement started. Um, and the guy who wrote the foreword in the book was the initiator of that movement. Um, we actually started uh, a conference to help people learn to navigate that remote workspace. And um, so we had the luxury of experimenting with tech tools and then mm -hmm. use them at the conference and introduce um, the conference delegates to the tools. And then I continued, you know, working with some of the really good ones with my clients. And what was really interesting was that when we were using the tools in our sessions, let's say, it was a lot of fun for them to just experiment with things that they said, we, we would need those things at work, but we don't have them. And now, I mean, nearly a year later, I can see some of these tools moving into the workplaces now. And so my clients have a heads up. They, they, they already have played with the tools before. And um, I think that's a good thing as well. Are you willing or able to name any of the ones that you especially like? Um, I really like Howspace. That is a virtual collaboration platform that I use whenever possible um, with my clients. It allows um, teams and small, large groups, even conferences. It, it brings people together on certain topics. They can um, have conversations in chat boxes um, synchronously, asynchronously. Um, you can use it to engage people in polls. You can use it for your presentation and everything is in one place and everyone can go there. And it, it's, it's really a nice, um, yeah, collaboration platform. You said house space? House space. House space. Is it H-O-W? S-P-A-C-E. I have never heard of that one. Yeah, it's all in the book because what I did in the book, um, I'm, I'm not advocating or advertising for these companies. I also did not tell the companies, you know, like Zoom or, you know, Miro, whatever the names are. I, I, I did not tell the company that I was, would mention them in my book. Um, but since I was talking about applications in the A for applications, some tools were mentioned. And so what I did at the end of the book, I made a list of all of the companies that I had mentioned with, you know, links to their website so that people can choose for themselves. Because when I like a tool, it does not necessarily mean that everybody else needs to like it. So I think it's something that companies need to look into because a tool is there to serve and to support either a process or an action. And so mm -hmm. companies need to look what tools do we have and how well do they support our employees in doing the work that they need to do in the most effective and efficient way. 
And so I can just recommend, they can experiment, and then they have to decide for themselves. So I don't know this all. Yeah, and it's always evolving and changing. Within three years or five years, it'll be, you know, new tools and others will be obsolete. How do you feel about Zoom and like the whiteboard features and the ways that you can annotate things? I love Zoom. I mean, without Zoom uh, last year, I couldn't have survived as, uh, you know, as a freelancer working from the United States with clients in, in Europe. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I had I had used Zoom before that already, so it wasn't a new tool to me, but right. it's, it's amazing what um, Zoom has done in terms of improvements to oh, yeah. speak about. I mean, in the beginning, there were no breakout rooms. Yeah. Uh, this is such a good thing to have that mm -hmm. you can see send people into breakout rooms. Whiteboard is um, something that I do not use that often. Yeah, um, it's a little it, has room for improvement. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's like for a fun activity when people need a break. Yeah, yeah. Um, you just open the whiteboard and everyone starts drawing. Hey, mm -hmm. this is. Huh? But there are, like I said, you have to take a look. What is the tool? What, what is the tool really good for? And how can you add maybe another tool to supplement it so that you have a good mix? Yeah. 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 How about your work from home and life work life balance? Can you talk about that for yourself personally? Mm -hmm. um, here at home and my real home, it's a little bit harder to find that balance. It was easier in Rochester because it was just my husband and me and the apartment. Um, here at home, there are so many temptations to continue <laughs> to, yes. to work here and to work there and something in the garden is waiting and the family is waiting. Um, structure is something that helps in my opinion. Um, really have a start of the working day and an anticipated end. Um, I mean, freelancers work a lot. I'm sure you know that. And we don't have regular working hours. However, mm. when I work late in the evening, which I sometimes do because of um, yeah the time difference with the United States, um, I can I can take it easier in the morning. Yeah. And I like to go out for walks uh, in nature or ride my bike. Now that the temperatures are getting a little bit warmer here, I could get my bike out again. Um, sometimes just sitting outside um, on my deck when the sun is out, uh, chilling in the sun. That is how I try to balance the time between meetings on Zoom, on the computer with other tools. Yeah, but it's not easy. You are right. So um, it requires discipline, which I do not always have because the temptation is so because getting the job done sometimes makes me feel good as well. Yeah. And mm -hmm. saying, oh, just just another 30 minutes, just and then it's another hour and it's still not done kind of a thing. So. <laughs> You have adult children, and so you're kind of in a different stage of life than I am. We we didn't have our children until we were in our 30s. And so I, you know, my, my breakaway time is I need to make a snack for the kids or get them started on their next homework assignment or get them logged into their, you know, online meeting or whatever they have. Um, so I kind of have a lot of natural breaks, and it's hard sometimes to come back and get back into work. And I, I guess I can see the struggle from both sides. We were talking a little bit about... The corporate model, you know, with the management and the middle management and the team members. And when I was thinking about that, I usually think of the team members as the ones who are probably um, hourly. And then the management and middle management would be the, the salaried people. Um, but you are basically working as a freelancer or a contractor now. So have you found yourself because of the book or now that you're kind of changing you know your your space a little bit do you find yourselves working yourself working with entrepreneurs very often no my my clients haven't changed so it's the same um corporate world that i'm in um i always um 
worked with coaches and trained coaches. Um, that was actually the first experience in uh, remote work in terms of using Zoom. In, in, mm-hmm. in the past, it was also, um, what was it, GoToMeeting was a tool that, that was used. Right. So it was in 2016, I think, when when I started to work with coaches from around the, the world and it was all online. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, it's and startups from time to time also are among my client base. But yeah, it's not as much individuals or entrepreneurs per se. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you were to give advice to someone who was thinking about working from home or a manager who was considering making this a permanent position, um, where do you lead as far as those pros and cons? Like, do you do you push the pros or do you really help them weigh the cons? <laughs> you know, as a coach, I never give advice. Okay. <laughs> so what I usually do is I ask questions um, yeah. and those questions will bring clarity for the manager or for the employee, what is a good scenario for them? Um, I I can say what works for me and I can share my experience and I can also share the experience I collected or I I heard about from the clients I worked with. But still, it doesn't mean it's the same for that person that I'm now facing. So it's really important to see what is the family situation? Like you said, you have kids um, yeah. at home. And um, so for for you, it might be interesting sometimes just to go on site and to work, you know, um, in the office with your colleagues. But on another day, it's better to work from home. So yeah. that is one scenario. And, and then the other scenario could be, I mean, my, my husband used to travel really a lot uh, before 2019. And so he never was in his office or hardly ever. So um, it really depends on so many aspects. What is the right scenario, the right choice for each and every person? And I think that's going to be the big challenge going forward because it's it's not that cookie cutter approach. You know, we can do it this way, we can do it that way. And everyone goes into that funnel. Yeah. So So really looking what is it that people need in the workplace? Um, do they need the connection? Because we have a lot of extroverted people that really need the connection, that need the interaction in the real world, yeah, not just on Zoom, not just on camera. Yeah. yeah? And then we've got introverted who also say, yes, we like the quiet place at home, and yet it's even harder for us to get into the zoom call and speak up because everybody else is already chatting away so it's really looking at what is it that people need and how can managers develop the skills to see what probably they need to pull more for in order to have an environment where everyone can develop and shine you basically described my husband and I. I'm the extrovert, the social butterfly. I'm the one who's always trying to host a party or get people together for breakfast or a coffee or something. And he is kind of a lone ranger in a lot of ways. You know, he goes to work. and But I, it's actually surprised me a little bit. Um, but he has said that it actually would be helpful to be in the office at least one day a week with his teammates. Now, if everyone rotated and only, you know, because right now he's actually on site. And he's the only person there because only the person who's on call needs to be on site. And so for him, it's no different than working from home. He still has to collaborate with people electronically and it doesn't help. Like there's not like he usually sits next to his manager. And usually if his manager stands up and starts to exit, you know, he could say, oh, hey, and catch him. And now he doesn't have that. So he's hoping that maybe if they were ever to resume a partial on site model with, you know, maybe more permanent work from home for the other days of the week. He's kind of hoping that everybody would be there on the same day. Hmm. So they could at least have that one day of collaboration, which obviously during, you know, the pandemic is complicated. But uh, he, he actually has expressed how much he likes working from home. And, you know, obviously sometimes we'll be a little loud or I'll have to take the kids outside if he's going to be in a meeting. 
but his team has made it so that they it's not an expectation to have their camera on even if they're in a skype call and they're all there mostly they're just listening to each other's voices they see that person's image mm-hmm. um you know their screenshot or what am i saying their headshots but they are just talking like more like a conference call and that i think is comfortable for most of them um but yeah it's a little surprising to me that he actually kind of wants to go back on site even just a tiny bit yeah i i can i can understand that i'm also more an introverted person but mm-hmm. i do love the interaction um yep. with real people in real places and um i think this is this is a human need we all have the human need for connection and yeah. we were all surprised to see how how much connection can be built real fast in such a virtual environment and yet um, getting out into you know the workplace again is something that does make a different experience from the virtual world. One of the things that you and I talked about earlier on, um, and it might have even been before we started to record, was some of the equal opportunity uh, that people struggle with sometimes. When you're working from home, you might not have the same uh, promotion opportunities as the people who um, are in the office and able to like be introduced on the fly to whoever is walking by. Oh, and this is, you know, so-and-so and that can build like teams and mm-hmm. things in the future. Um, do you feel like that has changed or do you feel like that's still a struggle right now? Well, I think last year um, everyone was kind of in the survival mode and they wanted to make it work. So everyone was trying to do project work, mm-hmm. um, productive work that, you know, kept the company with their heads above water. And now HR service departments are finding out, but wait a second, it's not just about, you know, getting the job done. We also need to make sure that we have our appraisals, our performance review talks, that we, that we need to train people, see what training needs they have. And that Mm -hmm. was something that last year might not have taken place as much as it did in a, in a controlled way. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, just where really training was needed because we needed to learn how to operate Zoom, how to operate whatever. So I think this year and going forward, um, HR departments um, are well advised to think a little bit more about their structure and the processes that they have in place for these reviews. And if they, if they decide to have a fully remote workforce, how to make these processes more suitable for that workplace, for a remote workplace. Because when I see people in action at the company, they are more visible. Yeah. So the manager sees the team members in action. They see what they are producing in terms of effort results. But when you are in your home office, that might not be as visible as it would be in a company. So what mechanisms do we have in place to make that visible? Yeah, To also make sure when new people come on board, how do we onboard them um, into a remote workforce and into a workforce that is maybe on site or a hybrid version? So there right. are lots of areas um, where good thinking and reflection uh, will be very beneficial for companies going forward. I've interviewed several people who were in management and some of them have said, oh yeah, we have a weekly team meeting or we have a monthly team meeting or a social hour or a happy hour or something like that because we want people to be able to let down their hair and still have that, you know, how are your kids doing? You know, how is homeschooling going? Um, Or, you know, let me see your cat kind of thing. my husband's company didn't do that for the first year. It took one year before they had even one happy hour type situation, a team building thing. And I think it's interesting because then I get the people who are the team members, um, the employees who are like, oh, I hate those, you know, oh, it's just feel so forced and I already have Zoom fatigue and I just feel so tired and now you're forcing me to look at, you know, finding more people on the screen and other people seem to just thrive on that sort of thing and they look forward to it. What is your experience? What are you hearing? Um, Well, last year um, it was like business, just business. Um, 
concentrating on the job, concentrating on getting the family organized. So, so really very compartmentalized. It yeah. loosened up a little bit when people went to um, virtual events that were non-work related, like conferences. And there you could really see how they were benefiting from um, social time together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was it was not at the workplace. It was outside of the workplace then more. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I do know that some companies try to have um, networking rooms kind of a thing where mm -hmm. um, it, it's a link that people could click and then it was not organized. It was not um, it was not planned. The link was always there. People could click on it. And when someone was in the room, they could have a chat like the coffee kitchen. If someone is in the coffee kitchen, you can have a chat. If not, mm -hmm. you can leave again and come back later. So it didn't feel forced. Yeah, it, it was more that spontaneous um, kind of a feeling that you had when when you were walking you know, on company premises and you would just bump into a colleague by coincidence. Mm -hmm. yeah? And I think that is a more natural way of of doing the same thing that happens in, in real life in a virtual world. Uh, just have that link and people pop in and out as they want and have time. There's, there is, um, uh, it's escaping me right now. I wish I had looked it up beforehand, but of course I didn't know we talk about this, but there is a website and it's basically that it looks like little cartoon people walking around, but you can actually like walk from, you know, the office into the break room to the conference table. And you can see people working at their work desk and you can, you know, walk up to them and start a conversation or they'll show that they're busy. Um, and we actually did my daughter's birthday party that way. It didn't work as well with mobile devices and a lot of the kids that age are still using their parents' phone or iPad. But it works really well with a desktop computer. And if I can think of the name of that, I will um, have my editor flash the name of it across the screen right here, <laughs> or I will um, add it into the show notes for the podcast. Um, but it was a, a neat, a neat tool. And I think that they've really expanded and exploded and, you know, the development of, you know, what they can do. They can even have conferences and breakout rooms um, where you can basically go into a private room where no one else can enter if it's full or you close the door. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a lot like going to someone's home and you can move into the kitchen. They actually have it so you can go into a house, go in the backyard, sit at a table, go into the living room, go into the dining room. And uh, I can see the potential for that. I would just, it's kind of hard to explain to people, but you have to be on a desktop computer to be able to make it work. Oh, or, uh, they will for sure come up with an app so that it's also uh, possible. I'm sure they're working yeah. on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think I know what you mean. I don't I don't recall the name of that particular one, but I do know um, there was one tool that was called your tribe with a similar function. And now okay. they have a different name. It's called wonder, I think wonder. Um, so but there it might be yeah. the same space. Yeah, right. So there is a lot out there. And, and that also was something last year, there was all of a sudden that need. Yeah, and it it really boosted and catapulted so many tools and applications into the into the space into the world um it's it's really hard to keep track of all of these tools it's not um i was going to see if i could even just look it up while we're still here on live but i can't find it um one of the conference tools that i have used i've attended a couple conferences with something that wasn't zoom it was called hopin hopin 2 and they have the breakout sessions that were a little bit more like speed dating. So instead of you being assigned a random breakout, it actually would help you cycle through and you could choose when you wanted to connect and disconnect. Um, but then it allowed you to choose if you wanted to exchange information with that person or not. Mm -hmm. It was it was kind of nice. I liked it. Five minutes felt a little too fast when they reset it on uh, the next conference to seven minutes. That felt more appropriate. But I was able to make some kind of new connections during that time. Good. I actually ended up working with one of the people that I, um, I connected with in one of those random things. So, <laughs> well, Ute, thank you so much for visiting with me today. I, I hope that, um, that this information will be helpful to someone out there. If it is, please send us a message. Uh, <laughs> yes. So how can people, how can people find you? Where can we connect with you? Um, I'm on LinkedIn. So if you, if you search for my name, you will find my LinkedIn profile and I'm actually, 
on there on a very regular basis. I can also share my website with you. Um, and if you can add it to, your, I will. Yeah. So um, for those who are listening, let's spell your name. Would you be willing to spell it for us? <laughs> yeah, it's U T E. That's the first name Ute. Then Franzen Waschke. It's F R A N Z E N dash W A S C H K E. Excellent. Thank you so much. We will put all of the contact information that you're providing us into the show notes so that people can click on that and find your book. Again, why don't you tell us the name of your book one more time? What was that? I... The name of your book. One oh, more time. yeah. The name of my book. It's How to Create a Successful Remote Work Culture. And the subtitle is A Guide to Using the PPAS Maturity Model. So this is brand new. It just came out and it is available on Kindle and Amazon and her website. So we'll make sure to put all of the information out there too. Well, thank you. Any last words before we head out? It was a wonderful conversation that we had April and I'm so glad that I could be here. And like you said, I very much hope that your audience will get a lot out of the podcast while listening and watching. Thank you so much. Yes. I think that we definitely have a lot of overlap in our interests. So I will look forward to reading your book. Um, I can see that it's available on Kindle and paperback. So there's exactly. options, everyone. Exactly. All right. <laughs> well, this has been April Malone with Ute Franzen-Waschke. And this is Yes, I Work From Home. Take care. Bye-bye.